You know, Jeff, it's too bad that people cannot actually see us record this episode because you're in black tie. Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm in a full-blown ball gown uh, for the inaugural <laughs> Jeff Passan Awards presented by ESPN Daily. Hope you're not too uncomfortable in your getup. I mean, I do fall asleep in my suit every night. So getting into formal wear, it feels really exciting. And I hope that that excitement is just pouring through the speakers right now as you listen to this. Yes, I'm sure it is. Uh, now, if you know, you know about the Jeff Fasten Awards. But for those in our vast and powerful audience who might not know uh, the criteria for winning, please fill us in. How does one earn a Jeff Passan Award? Uh, you earn an award through the most subjective way possible, which is by being cool to me. And these are my awards. So this is the stuff that does not get you necessarily atop of leaderboards or does not win you actual hardware. But there is some crossover uh, and you're going to hear some familiar names there. Essentially what I wanted to do was to celebrate the 2023 baseball season because it has been a phenomenal year in so many ways with such unbelievable performances that may not get recognized uh, through your traditional manner. So mm. uh, to, to look uh, across the vast landscape of baseball and say, even though you are not going to be collecting anything official, I will give you an award that means even more than an MVP or a Cy Young, sir. Between the introduction of the pitch clock, the widening of the bases, and Shohei Otani being Shohei Otani, the 2023 MLB season has been one for the history books. And as the regular season winds down, what better way to honor history than with baseball's newest and most coveted award, the first annual Passings. So today, live from the ESPN Daily Red Carpet, our favorite baseball nerd recognizes his top players, moments and innovations backed by completely legitimate science from an unprecedented baseball season. I'm Michelle Steele. It's Tuesday, September 19th. This is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the hypnotic team. Every season is hypnotic and tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. All right, Jeff, when I think about baseball, I think about cutting edge innovation. Maybe uh, in their defense, though, in the league's defense, there have been some serious changes in the past handful of years. Pitch calm, right? Uh, bigger bases, shift restrictions. But in your mind, what should win for best innovation of the 2023 season? 
This is kind of an easy one, Michelle, and mm-hmm. I would love to sit here and say some of the things we've learned about pitch design uh, could fall into that category, or some of the technology when it comes to learning about swings. But no, it's just something that's really, really simple. It's a clock. You know, I look back in February and March, and I was really bullish on the pitch clock, and there were a lot of people who were not. And I'm not choosing this because it vindicates me or because it it makes me look good or prescient or anything like that. I'm doing it for extraordinarily pragmatic reasons, and the Mm -hmm. pragmatism comes through here. Games are 24 minutes shorter on average than they were last year. If you are a fan who watches all 162 games that your team plays, that is a total of 64 hours and 48 minutes that you have saved this year on account of the pitch clock. Wow. That is two and a half days of time that in previous years— you spent essentially watching grown men stand around and do nothing. (laughs) If you want to talk about a waste, baseball pre-pitch clock was filled with it, replete with it. And now because of something as simple as throw a pitch within 15 seconds if the bases are empty or 20 seconds if there are runners on, it has saved every single person who watches baseball an enormous amount of time that he or she can go spend on absolutely anything else. Maybe it's productive time. Maybe it's unproductive time. Regardless, it is the choice. It's your time. That's exactly right. And I'm not sure that there's a better gift that a product can give its consumers and users. That, to me, says everything about where baseball has gone in 2023 and why it's been such a success. Yeah, you know, I've I've heard you uh, a time or two say this season how much you love the pitch clock to the extent that I've heard you say your wife says you love the pitch clock more than her. That, <laughs> no, of course no, not. You, you, I, you no. prefer her to the pitch clock. Pitch clock's up there, but it sounds like now that we have a season under our belts with the pitch clock, it's everything you expected and honestly, maybe even a little bit more. Yeah, and when you combine it with the other rules that are in place, the limited disengagements from the rubber, which has Mm. led to more stolen bases, and the larger bases, which also have led to more stolen bases, and the the increased amount of action uh, that's in play, like, I don't know that there's a drawback to the clock. We don't know yet if the increase in injuries among pitchers this year is causative or just simply correlated. Right. And I'm not sure if we're going to ever know. And and if we do, it's probably not going to be for a little while until there's a larger sample and more direct evidence. But the thing to me that stands out, Michelle, most about the pitch clock is in this time in which we live, Mm -hmm. which is defined by bitter partisanship, Mm. the pitch clock is something that has damn near universal approval. Like, what polls at 80 or 90% now? Nothing. Nothing This is the thing we needed, society needed to unify us. Absolutely right. Pitch clock 2024. It will be our new president if we allow it. (laughs) So from the biggest innovation to the game, 
Let's visit with the biggest innovator in the game and definitely certainly someone that excited more people than maybe ever before, certainly in a generation. Clearly, Shohei Otani, he's earned his own category, right? Uh, <laughs> um, what's the Otaniest thing that Shohei did in 2023? So Shohei Otani, if we're looking back in like mid-July, uh, coming out of the All-Star break, his first start, he gives up five runs. His second start, he gives up five runs. I'm talking with somebody that day just to like, hey, is everything okay with him? You know, his ERA was up to 3.71 at that point. And what I was told is he's fine and he's going to finish this year with an ERA under three. And I was like, okay, got it. So you're going to lower the ERA by three quarters of a point? Okay. Mm. Next start is July 27th, the first game of a doubleheader. The day before, the Angels essentially said, we are not trading Shohei Otani, even though, you know, that is, it has proven to be one of the more ill-advised decisions uh, in recent memory. Yeah. But uh, he's out there. And on an afternoon... Uh, against the Detroit Tigers, he proceeds to throw a one-hit shutout over 111 pitches, first shutout of his career. This would be the first complete game shutout, and there it is. Shohei Otani goes all nine. A one-hitter. It's just, a you know, it's, it's as close to history as you can possibly get. And that afternoon or that evening, rather, uh, game two. Shohei Otani is facing the Detroit Tigers, and he has three at-bats, and in two of them, he hits home runs. Oh, oh he got another one! Get going! Otani has done it again! Santa Maria! Complete game shutout, check. Two homers in the nightcap, check. And so, on the same day he threw a one-hit shutout, he went and hit two more home runs that night. And if that's not the Otaniest thing possible, <laughs> I'm really not sure what is. Because nobody, and I mean nobody who is alive now uh, or was alive once upon a time, could do that without it being an absolute miracle. For Shohei Otani, it's just another day at the ballpark. Switching gears, as good as Otani was this season, he wasn't the only one out there making hitters look foolish. Um, we had fastballs approaching 105 miles an hour out here. Uh, pretty nasty sliders. You had disappearing ghost fork balls. What was the nastiest pitch you saw this season? Oh, there's so many good ones. I, I have to admit, I probably spent more time trying to figure out what the best pitch of the 2023 season was than any. Now, this is a fun category to research. It really is. And this award really is an eye of the beholder award um, because I asked my colleagues, Jesse Rogers and Alton Gonzalez, I asked some pitchers who, you know, like do this for a living. I asked my high school age son who himself is a pitcher. And nobody agreed. Mm. Like, there was no agreement on what the best one was. And what that tells me is that, really, this award is about which pitch made me viscerally go, 
what? Like, a how? Why? And and the one that did it more than anything was a guy who you probably never heard of. His name is Justin Topa. Okay. And Justin Topa is a reliever with the Seattle Mariners. Mm. And he threw a slider on the 21st of July to Whit Merrifield, the guy who's not a big swing and miss guy. And this slider started over the plate, and it ended up three feet, literally three feet off the plate, more than halfway into the left-handed batter's box. And yet Whit Merrifield still swung at it. And just watching it, it's like, how, how do guys do this now? How do balls move like this? I want to sit here and say that I have some objective qualification for this. No, this is a purely subjective thing. And the beauty of pitching these days is that every day a pitch gets thrown that makes you go, what in God's name is that? How is that even possible? And you get to leave seeing that feeling like you saw something that you've never seen before. Coming up, more of the Jeff Passan Awards. The NFL schedule drops this week, kiddos, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off, Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Download the app or visit vividseats.com today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, Jeff, we're going through the first annual Passin Awards, and we're going to pick things up now with a duo award. It feels like there were a couple pairings that stood out, right? So who wins the Passin, though, for best duo? Uh, the best duo goes to Ronald Acuna and Matt Olson from the Atlanta Braves. And they narrowly, and by narrowly, I mean by the, like, sheet of paper, thinnest of margins— outdo Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman. And this is really, Michelle, my way of getting outside of the obnoxiousness of the Acuna versus Betts for National League MVP fight that is being waged on a daily basis between Braves fans and Dodgers fans. 
who despise one another. So I figured I would kick it up a notch and add the first baseman to the right fielders here because what Freddie Freeman is doing this year is kind of what Freddie Freeman, in honesty, does every year. He is just the most consistently excellent baseball player uh, in the game right now. You know what you're going to get from him. Matt Olson, on the other hand, is finding a new gear this year. He's hit a career high and set an Atlanta Braves record with 52 home runs. And depending on what these last couple weeks of the season look like, he's got a chance to drive in 140, maybe even upward of 150 runs. And when you put him alongside Acuna, who's threatening to have the first 40 home runs, 70 stolen base season in baseball history and compare them with Freeman and Mookie Betts, who actually leads all of baseball, uh, non-Shohei Otani division, of course, in wins above replacement this year. It's really hard objectively to come up with who is the better one. I know that's what wins above replacement, Michelle, is supposed to be. It's supposed to be that, you know, everyone is judged the same. The formula is the same. Mm -hmm. And yet I'm just looking at this in terms of pure fun and uh, I think stolen bases are super fun and I think home runs are super fun and I think not striking out and putting the ball in play is super fun and (laughs) because of that I'm going with the Atlanta guys please don't kill me people from LA I I promise I I love Mookie Betts and Freddie (laughs) Freeman too but I think the Braves just in terms of pure enjoyment The Braves duo wins. You know, let's stay on that theme of enjoyment, of fun, of electricity. You have chosen the most electrifying player in baseball in 2023. Speaking of stolen bases, this is a guy that might not shock and surprise when they hear his name. That would be Ellie Dela Cruz, the rookie from the Cincinnati Reds. And I I think it's important, Michelle, to say this. If we're talking just like straight up rookie of the year voting, Mm -hmm. Ellie Dela Cruz might not finish in the top 10 in the National League. Corbin Carroll's going to run away with that award. He's awesome. Matt McClain, Dela Cruz's teammate with the Reds, has been better. Patrick Bailey, the incredible catcher, like heir to Yadier Molina, good catcher, with the San Francisco Giants. Nolan Jones, Spencer Steer, Francisco Alvarez with the Mets, James Outman with the the Dodgers. We're not even talking about pitchers at this point. That's just hitters. And yet, Ellie De La Cruz- All guys ahead of Ellie De La Cruz. Yeah. In the Rookie of the Year race. Yes, just in terms of straight up production. But what Ellie De La Cruz does is he makes you happy to be watching baseball. He plays the game with such incredible instinct and with such dynamism. And the peak of what he can do is higher than all of those guys that I just mentioned. De La Cruz, high fly, deep right center, gone! That's out of the stadium. It went over the SUV. The speed with which he runs, top of the chart. De La Cruz goes. 
Pitch called a strike, throw down on a skip late. Another steal for Ellie De La Cruz. The arm with which he throws, top of the charts. Benson throw to De La Cruz. He's got a cannon. His fire to the plate. The ball is there. The tag. He is out. Benson, De La Cruz, Mailey. Flores sliced down at home plate. It's those top moments of Ellie De La Cruz that are better than everyone else's top moments. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, maybe he does strike out too much. That's a problem. And maybe he doesn't get on base enough. And maybe he disappears sometimes. But he's also the guy who will steal second base, steal third base, and then have a straight steal of home plate. He's the guy who will field a ground ball in the hole and throw it 100 miles an hour across the diamond like it's nothing. And to me... When you're watching Ellie De La Cruz play baseball, you have absolutely no idea what's coming next. And it's the mystery of that. It's not knowing what you're going to get on that given day that may be unlike anything you've ever seen that makes him so electrifying. I just feel like every at-bat, you just don't know what's going to happen. Like, if you could steal first base, he probably would, right? <laughs> I mean... Michelle, thankful, <laughs> thankfully, he is only 21 years old. I know. I mean, he is he is a 21-year-old, six foot five, 200-pound switch hitting shortstop. He is everything you can possibly want in a franchise type player. And I think he's going to be around with the Cincinnati Reds for a long, long time. Uh, now we're heading for the big ones, Jeff. These next two awards are what everybody that I know is going to be talking about at the water cooler tomorrow morning, best individual performance of the year. Who do you think comes out on top there? This one sort of snuck under the radar. This is just for one game, right? On April 22nd, Adelise Garcia, the Texas Rangers cleanup hitter, was batting 208 with an OPS of not even 650. Three hours later, he was hitting 260 with an OPS of almost 900. Now, it's early in the season, so small samples are going to do that. But what Adelise Garcia did on that day against the Oakland A's was one of the best one-man shows we've ever seen on a baseball field. He, was, he went to the plate six times. First time up, two-run homer. Well, Garcia gets into one. That's going to go a long way. Gone! Next inning, he gets hit by a pitch. Homer's again on his third and fourth times up. And he hits this ball well. Jeez. Deep out to left field. Doesn't have enough. Gone! Third of the night. Uh, fifth time, double to right center. Sixth time, double down the left field line. He was five for five with three home runs, two doubles, five runs, eight RBIs, and 16 total bases. Um, I mean... And we're not playing a video game. That was an actual no, baseball and, game. And here's the thing. Yeah. 25 times in history as a player had at least 16 total bases in a game. The record is Sean Green with 19, went six for six, four home runs. I think that's probably the best game any hitter has ever had. But uh, Adelise Garcia, he's right up there. And if you look over the last 30 years, it's probably a top five or six game uh, you know, the Anthony Rendon had a six-for-six six game with three home runs. Scooter Jeanette 
had a four-homer game. Josh Hamilton, a four-homer game. Sean Green, that four-homer game. Hard-hitting Mark Witten back in 1993, a four-homer game. Uh, to do what Garcia did without hitting four home runs, hmm. uh, it's about as good of a non-four-homer performance as you can possibly have. Okay, Jeff. Next up, we have one of the biggest awards of the night. I mean, if this was the Oscars, this would be like one of the last ones they give out. Uh, best director, maybe? Uh, who's taking home the pass-in for play of the year? It's rare that the play of the year happens um, on opening day. Yeah. <laughs> And rare that it happens so that a lot of people don't see it because this wasn't exactly a well-watched game. Um, it's the bottom of the fifth inning. The Oakland A's are hosting the Los Angeles Angels. Shohei Otani is on the mound, and Jace Peterson is at the plate. And Jace Peterson crushes a ball to right field. And it's going over the head of Hunter Renfro, the right fielder. And you know it's going over his head because he has one of those oh moments where it's like, oh, I misplayed that. And <laughs> I better start moving backward to try and look yeah. like I'm at least putting some effort into this. And so he takes a couple steps back and his head is tilted sort of backward looking at the ball and tracking it and tracking it. And eventually it looks like he's just about to give up, right? You know, he just, it's its going over my head. And his head begins to turn. Mm -hmm. And so his back is to the ball. His head is not looking at it. And he sticks up his glove. And somehow... Hunter Renfro makes the first no-look catch in the history of baseball. High fly ball to right from Peterson, hit well. Renfro got turned around and somehow still made the catch. What was that? Hunter Renfro, kind of a no-look catch. That was ridiculous. He threw his glove up and somehow snagged the ball out of midair as if he had eyes in the back of his head. And here's the thing, Michelle. Mm -hmm. This was not the best play in terms of our classic definition of best. Yes. Best tends to connote skill, right? No, this was not a little bit of luck. Maybe not a little. <laughs> This was an incredible, I mean, this was an ocean's worth of luck. All right, Jeff, this is the big one, the final pass-in of the podcast. Now, we've handed out awards for the 2023 season, but this is one award that really goes above and beyond, that transcends, dare I say it, time itself. Uh, what is the one thing from 2023 that you think we're still going to be talking about 50 years from now? I think this is a two-part answer. I think there is the answer that is actually going to happen, and there's the answer that people who were alive in 2023 will say. I think when people in 2073 look back on baseball, they are going to look at the pitch clock. The same way when we look back 50 years, what do we look at? The introduction of the designated hitter. Like rules... Rules changes are big deals, and that rules change unquestionably is going to have a more demonstrable effect on the game 
than the moment I'm talking about. But me, as a baseball fan, when I think of 2023, I'm going to think of the last at bat of the World Baseball Classic. I'm going to think of Shohei Otani standing on the mound. Yeah. Wearing his Samurai Japan uniform. And Mike Trout wearing his Team USA uniform standing in the batter's box. Two teammates, two friends, a one-run game, bottom of the ninth, two outs, full count. It was literally the embodiment of every time you have thrown a baseball up to yourself in the backyard and held a bat and swung and tried to do something. Trout's ready. 3-2. He struck him out. Otani strikes out Trout. And Japan's back on top of the baseball world. It was the dream. It was the dream that everyone wanted. And that at bat, getting to 3-2, and watching Otani rip this sweeper that was one of the best pitches he's ever thrown. And seeing Trout swing through it, I mean, I, I've covered some really cool stuff in my career. You know, I was there when the Red Sox won in 2004. Yeah. I was there when the Cubs won in 2016. Uh, you know, I've, I've been to Olympics. I've been to uh, NCAA tournament games with buzzer beaters. I've like I've seen some really cool stuff. Um. I'm not sure anything has made me as excited as that one matchup right there. And seeing it end the way that it did oh, yeah. with just abject joy from Otani and just disappointment and disillusionment from Trout. That's sports right there. That's baseball right there. And so while 2023 is going to be the year the pitch clock came into play, to me, that moment right there is absolutely unbeatable. Yeah, that was an instantly iconic moment with maximum tension. Uh, just showing off, I think, Yep. Yeah. What everything baseball could be, right? Uh, a global game. It's a game that is being played at a higher level than it ever has before and being done around the world. And I think that's a really cool thing for baseball to have and, and a really good sign for the game's future. Okay, speaking of the future, you know what my favorite part of the Jeff Passan Awards is? That they're over? The after party. <laughs> The after party, meet you in the Bristol cafeteria. <laughs> Catch you later. Oh, I cannot wait to show up there. I know, I'm going to take my cummerbund off. It's going to be so comfortable. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Michelle. I'm Michelle Steele. This has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.